On the 27th of September, 1888, a correspondence was received by the Central News Agency in the City of London. A letter, hand-delivered to the chief editor by two of his journalists and addressed to The Boss. 25th of September, 1888. Dear Boss, I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I'm down on whores, and I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work, the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. A red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha ha. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ear off and send to the police officers just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work, and then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind me giving the trade name. This was followed by a second postscript, which read, Wasn't good enough to post this before. I got all of the red ink off my hands, curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. Although the Central News Agency believed the letter to be a practical joke, two days later the editor decided to pass the correspondence on to Scotland Yard. One detail seized on at the time was the fact that the letter referred to the murders as being a job, perceived by some as indicating that the murderer worked within the medical profession. And then there was the statement that more murders were to come, a prediction that would come to fruition. On the 1st of October, two days after the murders of Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes, the Daily News was given permission to publish the letter in full. Facsimiles were produced and put up as posters. Anyone who recognised the handwriting was asked to come forward. Later that day, another communication was received by the Central News Agency, in the same hand as the previous letter. The writer wished to inform the editor that his last communication had not been a joke. It read, I wasn't codding, dear old boss, when I gave you the tip. You'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow. Double event this time. Number one squealed a bit, couldn't finish straight off. Had not time to get ears for police. Thanks for keeping last letter back till I got to work again. Jack the Ripper. Due to the postcard containing an identical signature to that of the previous letter, the correspondence was passed to the Metropolitan Police, who by now were taking both communications seriously. The fact that the writer of the postcard made reference to the two murders in a single night as the double event was seen by the police as an important clue. As the Sun reporters discovered, News of the double event had in fact been in the public domain within hours of the murder of Catherine Eddowes. Several of the Sunday newspapers covered the story, meaning that as well as the killer, many of London's literates would have also had knowledge of the murders, 
which of course allowed a hoaxer to pen the correspondence and include a certain amount of detail. This fact, though important, made little difference to how the letters were perceived by the public. On the 27th of September, 1888, the Ripper and his legacy were born, with the press no longer referring to the killer as the Whitechapel monster or leather apron. It was now Jack the Ripper who was responsible for the crimes. The decision to publicise the letters would prove particularly unwise, for instead of obtaining any leads in the way of identifying the writer, it opened the floodgates for hundreds of imitators. With an immediately identifiable name and a wealth of gory details to pour over, London soon found itself in the grip of hysteria. Soon, a mass of correspondence was received from those wishing to imitate the previous letters, scribing their own threatening messages from London and beyond.